Hello and welcome to Witchy Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Lauren Chalantani, women's holistic health coach and fellow recovering perfectionist. This podcast was created to show you that your body is not in the way, it is actually leading your way. Hello, hello, welcome back to Witchy Wellness Radio, and you are listening to episode 135, Inner Voice Magic with Claire Bunce. And if you guys are interested in learning about more on essential oils, my team is hosting a live essential oils class every Monday at 2 p.m. and at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Head over to the show notes to use that link to sign up as classes do fill up. Once you sign up, you'll immediately receive our class link via Zoom, along with class notes package to print for the class. Whether you're curious about what doTERRA oils could do for you or would want to refresh on how to use these bottles that you might already own, you will love this class and feel the impact of our beautiful community. I hope to see you guys there. And without further ado, please enjoy episode 135, Inner Voice Magic with Claire Bunce. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Witchy Wellness Radio. This is your host, Lauren, and this is a show you get to learn how your body and emotions are not in the way, but they are actually leading the way. And today we have the wonderful Claire Bunce here to talk about unlocking the magic of your inner voice. And more about Claire, she is a qualified speech and language pathologist at University College London in 2003 before going on to specialize in the field of voice disorders. She developed an interest, special interest in these disorders caused by psychological rather than physical reasons, which led her to studying various coaching methods and therapy techniques, including neuro-linguistic programming and mindfulness. She recently trained as an iHeart facilitator, which teaches children of their own inner well-being and resilience. And in addition to all of that, she is a busy mom of three little kiddos and created this beautiful course. Like I mentioned, Unlock the Magic of Your Inner Voice. Welcome to the show, Claire. I'm so happy to have you on here. Oh, thanks so much, Lauren. It's really nice to be here. Yeah, we. I love connecting with like-minded people on here. And selfishly, I'm just here to like listen to other people, what they have to say so I can learn more. And just at the end of the day, we're all kind of explaining the same things from a different perspective. And it helps me gain the knowledge to unlock my inner voice. And, and Mm -hmm. you know, we all like your tagline is learning the seven step process to shift from overwhelm to clarity. I have a course that I help people shift from anxious to aligned, but it doesn't, I I still love learning and hearing these things because different people resonate with different Mm -hmm. times in your life, different people, So thank you for doing the work that you do. But I would love to end this rant with how did you get to creating this beautiful course? You were very well educated, as we heard in our bio, but I'm sure there was some, you know, personal transformation that took place or hero's journey that led you to want to create this course. Oh, thanks, Lauren. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, Um, having worked for so many years as a speech and language pathologist 
Um, I've got a lot of experience in what I do. So I've worked a lot with people with voice disorders. So that's where people have sometimes a very disordered voice. So they might sound like this, very, very hoarse. Or sometimes they have literally no voice. So they're literally whispering or they just don't have a thing. And what's really interesting is that sometimes they don't have a physical cause for that voice problem. They don't have a nodule, a polyp, they don't have a palsy. There is nothing wrong with their voice box. But such is the power between the mind and the body that they have an actual voice problem because of what they're thinking. And that's basically what it boils down to. And, you you know, in England, it's called a psychogenic voice problem or sometimes a functional voice problem. So I've spent a lot of time working with these clients, which I love, um, because you can get someone's voice back or slightly back by doing exercises like a physio would. But ultimately, if you can actually get to the root cause of what's causing their voice problem, and sometimes it's a limiting belief, it might be that they don't believe they've got much worth saying or that a partner has told them that they're not worth anything and that no one's listening or just be quiet, keep it, you know, keep it buttoned up. And this becomes almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy that they end up manifesting this in their throat. And so whilst they don't have a physical problem, they literally lose the ability to talk because of this emotional link. So I trained, I don't know, 15 years ago in what you were talking about, neurolinguistic programming and CBT and mindfulness, because I was really interested in going, well, okay, so I can do the physical work with them, but what is behind it? Like, what, what can I help them with that's going to shift their problem and get some results? So a bit of a long-winded answer. But essentially, that's how I was helping on a physical level. And then I just fell in love with the idea that we all have mental health. We all have this flow of inner well-being, of wellness within us. But it is just that our thinking covers it up. Yeah, I I so agree. And for me, neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, just easier for us to say NLP now. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I, I haven't been trained in it, but I've experienced it before. And also hypnotherapy to a degree is so powerful for helping reprogram, mm. the, identify, but reprogram these beliefs that we might not even know that we have. Yeah. And that, I mean... I, we have people on this podcast all the time talking about this and how the mind-body connection is so prevalent. And for me, I remember way before I started studying mind-body connection in like a basic psychology class in college, people, I'm, I can't remember the new um, way to say this, but multiple personalities. Okay. They have different um, eye prescriptions when they change into an alter personality they have different allergies wow. wow based on because they believe they are a different person 
Wow. And that's totally goes against anything <laughs> we think, but it's based on those beliefs and those thoughts that with that personality, they have, you know, not even consciously have these different changes um, from a physiological point of view, just like the people you work with, with their voices. I think what's interesting is that you can you can look at the extremes. So you can look at people who are, like I've just described, physically struggling. Like they are not able to work. They're not able to talk to their family. They've got an actual problem. And you can see that the mind-body link is there. But also you can see it on the other side of the extreme. So I don't know whether you've been watching the tennis, but... Emma Raducanu, <laughs> who obviously I'm like biggest fan of, um, who's just won the US Open. And, you know, you listen to her, she's 18 years old and she's talking about growing up with this understanding that she can achieve whatever she sets her mind to. And I love that because you've got these two extremes of people who are absolutely showing us that it's in our mind and I just think that's amazing oh yeah I think it's the power of that other spectrum you're talking about the tennis player of visualization of practicing you can retrain yourself to believe and and feel these feelings of something you want to happen like winning the U.S. Open granted she trained her whole life to get to this point but I think of an example um, a lot of people in here might know the female entrepreneur association or Carrie Green she tells a story of her in her book she means business about how she um, applied for this award this young business award in England and she visualized what it meant to meet I can't remember who she met but it was this big person what it would like to be meet this person and go on this helicopter ride with them I remember that story. Yeah, and she remembered the whole the whole thing from the smells to how she would be feeling, what it felt like mm-hmm. outside, and she ended up winning. And, and and it was almost eerie that she actually lived what she was visualizing for so long. But there's studies out there that two of the studies I think are really interesting are people were practicing piano and they were given the same music one test group was actually playing the piano and and practicing with the keys. And another was visualizing practicing. Yeah. 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 And then they did the EKG, you know, nodes on their head and they, they actually mapped their brain and had them go through that same piece of music, the same parts of the brain or the same neural networks were created, whether you were playing the piano or visualizing in your head. And for me, I, I gave body chills thinking about that because that's, you're actually, that's physical evidence that you are programming your mind. You're rewiring it because the more you practice or do something, you create more neural networks, which create a stronger memory or reflex or it becomes subconscious. Absolutely. And I, I've not heard that one about the piano, but I've heard exactly the same about people playing um, basketball. I was going to mention that one too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and shooting hoops. And, you know, I think that's phenomenal. And um, 
it's phenomenal because you you look at it from a a positive point of view and you go yeah great like if I want to set my goal and I'm going to visualize and like Carrie said from the FEA you know you don't just visualize you don't just see you hear you smell like you use all your senses like that's amazing of like flooding the system with what it might be like but again if we go to the other end of that spectrum what people don't realize is the same is happening when they have a fear about something or they're like trying to you know like turn away or they're trying to avoid something is actually what's happening is we are using as much of that wonderful creative thought process that we use to create our goals as we are unconsciously using to create our demons what we don't want and and what I find always fascinating is I often well I always say to my clients I say okay what do you want like what is the goal what do you want to get from working with me and often, more often than not, actually, people will say, I don't want to. <laughs> and then they they paint this amazingly elaborate picture of what they don't want. <laughs> and I say, look, it's like riding a bike or skiing or doing anything. Like, you will go where you're looking. And if you are looking there, you will go there. If you're skiing, I don't know if you ski, Lauren, but, if, you know, if you ski you've got to look where you're going because if you're not if you're not looking right when you want to turn right you're going to go left yeah and I think the way that our subconscious and just mind in general works is the same exact way what you focus on grows because your body doesn't know that you're saying not this not this it just knows that it it wants I think it's called your reticulator um, activated reticulate. Oh my gosh. I'm totally flubbing this up. I'll link in the show notes, basically the part of your brain that once you start seeing something, it'll start looking for that same thing again and again, those patterns. So you're telling it, let's say I'm, I'm broke. I don't have enough money. So you look for every single way to affirm you don't have money that you feel broke or not enough or et cetera, et cetera. Instead of looking for ways that you do have money, you do have abundance, you have everything you need, what you focus on grows. And as cheesy, as new agey as that sounds, neurologically, it's true. (laughs) It's true. And it's true because actually, fundamentally, we want to be right. So we are going to look for evidence to show that we are right. So, you know, if we don't think we look very good in a dress that we're wearing, we will look for evidence to suggest that. So it might be that someone doesn't comment on it, which for us is proof that we don't look good in that dress. <laughs> Rather than, you know, having that, and that's, you know, I think so important in life is if you have the flexibility to go, okay, what are the one, two or three options for something happening? Then you are massively expanding what's possible in your life. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I think I was just thinking back when I started getting into this, you know, a decade or so ago, I was in that same boat. I had crippling anxiety, 
depressed, overwhelmed, you know, starting my career, I was like, I thought this was going to be easy, like graduating and being an adult, your life leads up to this point. And then I'm like, and and then what? I knew everything I didn't want. And I really struggled for a while to figure, <laughs> figure out what we just talked about. You know, what do I want? How, how I guess to, to generalize and put it simply, how can somebody shift out of that into figuring out what to focus on in a positive way or what they might want? I totally hear what you're saying. Um, I totally hear what you're saying. And I think if I can, um, going on from my, okay, where have I come from? And, you know, what's my experience? I think the thing that for me has been the most significant thing in the last, I don't know, 15 years or so, has been uh, an understanding that I've had in the last five years that we can, we love being analytical. Like that, that's the part of our brain that we're really great at. We're like, let's have a look. What's going on? You know, where is the proof that this is what I think is right or wrong? And tell me about your problems and where has that come from? And where and this is what you can do. Like a very prescriptive. Now I know because I'm on this podcast that this is we are talking about something completely different from medication. <laughs> but you know let's just for the sake of argument just say you know a lot of people will go um I have a problem so I would like to take a pill that gets rid of it okay fine you know yes you can but what we are talking about what I'm interested in is going well let's face it there is enough studies to tell us that there is something called the placebo effect yeah <laughs> So, I mean, if you understand that and if you actually look into the studies and the evidence behind that, isn't it more interesting to look at why the placebo effect is and how we can use that rather than trying to argue that a pill is more effective than the placebo effect? Who cares? (laughs) Like, truly, other than someone who's selling a pill. So... What what I have seen in the last five years, which is interesting to me, is that, okay, let's not look at pills. Let's look at what we can do to help. Now, there are lots of things and much more and more and more as we're, I think, becoming as a nation or as a culture more aware is looking at the mind. Okay, how can we use our mind to get better or to accept what we've got going on so there is like loads of you know tips and strategies and mindsets and things that you can do to get better but what I've seen recently that I think is very very important it goes beyond what is helpful to going why why do we feel like this and I don't even, this doesn't need to be like a 10 minute, oh, it's because my dad said something unkind or my friend at school. It's a very simple thing in what I've seen is that if you believe that your well-being is attached to something outside of you, you are going to be dragged around by whatever that thing is. 
if you know, and not just know, but believe, in fact, even if you can just glimpse for a minute that you have well-being in you, that is your freedom. That is your ticket to actually not having to do a technique. And I think that's pretty special. Mm. Very, very special. And, I, and I've, I've caught myself down that and I have friends who do it too. It's like, well, I know why I have money issues. It's because of my dad did this and now my back hurts because of this. And it, it's mm-hmm. almost a blame game. And it, it, you, you, yeah. get, you get stuck in this victimhood mentality. But it's the same principle we talked about earlier. What you focus on grows. And for me, whether it's meditation, breath work, NLP, any a technique, if you will, or not, it's just continually bringing your brain back to my well-being is in me and me and me. And if you start to think it's outside of me, you bring it back, you bring it back. And that's how that's what that's what meditation is. The hardest meditations for me when I have to keep bringing my mind back, mind back, mind back, those are the most powerful ones. That's when change is happening. Not when I'm deep into outer space or, you know, feeling good. That's easy. But it's when you're continually reminding and coming back and coming back. And at the end of the day, it's just becoming present and realizing that everything is okay. Yeah. Here now. And that's it really and it's easier said than done I know (laughs) oh god don't we know it I mean yeah it is and I think what's hilarious is that what you've just said I every cell in my body agrees with and it's not a new thing like you go back centuries and this message of truth if you like runs through it but each kind of I mean it's not even like a generation, is it? But each kind of time frame of people have to interpret it, I think, perhaps, in their own way. Because if you think about how much we have changed as a society just in 15 years, I mean, we didn't have, well, the internet didn't exist when I was at school, you know, and your smartphones didn't exist, until how many years? 15, am I saying? Ten, no, not 15, 10 years, perhaps. So whilst it can seem a bit of a cliche to say, you know, the power is now, the power is now, you know, or, you know, the whole like mindfulness and meditation stuff, which I wholeheartedly go in for, but it keeps having to change to keep up with, you know, when the Buddha was sitting on under a tree two and a half thousand years ago. He didn't have his notifications pinging up on Instagram, did he? <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah. And I think, you know, from our generation to even our parents' generation, I think of this like mental health in general in my family. You, my parents' generation before didn't go to see therapists. You know, something bad happened. You just move on, you know, and, and, and not saying that's healthy. I don't approve of that, but what we're talking about here, I have to be clear because it took me a while to actually deconstruct this. It's different than like a toxic positivity where you're pushing down things and Uh not feeling it. 
It's not that we're not just being like, la, 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 can't hear the bad stuff. It's actually being present with it all. And I'll let you speak more to this. (laughs) I just, oh, it's such a joy talking to you. I I think, you know, that's, it's a weird thing, isn't it? Because when you can see what you're saying, um, I'm not, I'm not going to say to people, you shouldn't be thinking positive. <laughs> you know, you shouldn't be trying to reframe a situation to make you feel better. Yes, by all means, do what you need to do. But there is a real danger that we, we place so much importance on positive thinking. What we are doing is saying, and list, I mean, I'm saying this from experience, like you know, however many years ago, I went and meditated in silence for 10 days to in India, like it was ridiculous, to like make me think in the right way. Now, I obviously missed, the, I mean, it was wonderful, but looking back on it, uh, even back then, I would think, oh, oh no, I've just had a bad thought. Oh, I need to meditate for an hour longer tomorrow. <laughs> you know and and you think oh god um oh I've just had this I'm I'm judging somebody or I'm I'm thinking bad or whatever it is and like just a hundred percent what you're saying is not a quite we are human beings and a being a human being involves having the range of emotions and this is the issue with where we are nowadays I've got all sorts of friends who've been on pills to help them feel happier. The issue with that is they can't feel anything else. It's like they've numbed, they've like gone from a, you can't see my hands, but gone from a whole wide range of emotions to this teeny tiny little thing. And actually that's not about being human. Being human is about, it's the yin and the yang. It's, it, it's day and night, it's black and white. We're happy and we're sad. We can't be happy if we can't feel sad. We can't be joyous if we can't feel upset. But the real magic comes from when you can accept all of those emotions and not run from one to the other because you can't control that. You're going to have them all. That's just life. That's just being human. Oof. And I think some of the deepest moments I've had of being present have been during the more difficult times in my life. When I was able to refocus and ground myself with everything else just swirling around me, even my own emotions, I've never felt in a weird way felt so serene or calm. It was like the eye of the storm. And I, what you just said reminded me, I had to look it up off screen here is this Rumi quote about love. And he says, your task is not to seek for love, but merely seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about here is, it's not about only positive, it's about feeling it all. Mm-hmm. And the the not so good stuff is usually there to show you what you're holding on to that's keeping you from that, the other side of that, the the brighter side, if you will, at least in my, in my beliefs, like stuff comes up for us to, to peel back the layers 
in order to grow into a new perspective. I don't want to say it's a higher or better version, but it's like a deeper multifaceted um, perspective of the same truth. Yeah. It's, it's so powerful about feeling all of the good and the bad and in between because I have a tendency of just putting my head down, go and focus and not, you know, want to just go, 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 go. Don't feel anything. And then all of a sudden it's everything comes up. So I have to slow myself down and check in and realign myself throughout the day to see how I'm going. So I don't go unconscious. It's just about learning how to become conscious of yourself more throughout the day, which in my opinion is just living a meditation really. Yeah, and you know, that's really interesting because when you say living in meditation, I know that you don't mean literally sitting on a uh, on a cushion in your house meditating, but it's being in that state where you can this well, this is what it is for me, is being able to feel all the feelings and not judge them. Yeah, the non-judgment. <laughs> it's the not because and, and that is where the suffering is. So, you know, something can happen in your day where you go, oh my God, like, okay, let's just say for sake of argument, I get a ticket on my car. Like I parked in the wrong place, or I've overdone, like I've parked for longer than I should have done, and I have a parking ticket. Now, the fact is that parking ticket seems to me to make me really cross. So I have a moment where I'm like, oh, my God, that is so annoying. Like, literally, I was two minutes over. That is so unfair. But what we tend to do is we don't we don't stop there. We keep that story going. And it's at that point, like, if at that point you go, Ugh, okay, fine, Oof. Then it's an event. It's ha- I mean, it's already in the past anyway, isn't it? Let's face it. It's already gone. <laughs> but what we tend to do is we tend to ruminate, if that's the word, and go over it. And you so annoying. I, I knew I was running a bit late. I should have just left the shop or I should have told my friend that I really had to go or you know, why does this always happen to me? So as long as you keep that thinking going, you're, you're still feeling the feelings because, and this is what is so important to recognize, it's, it's not the event itself that causes the feeling, it's our thinking about the event that causes the feeling. And when I first heard that, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the event, the thinking, same thing, whatever. It, but it's so different, which explains why the same thing can make two people have very different feelings. You know, like, I, I don't know you, but maybe you love cats and for the sake of argument, I hate cats. Now, that's not the cat. It, it, the cat can't have the same it can't put a feeling into us. Otherwise, we'd both love them. And it explains why perhaps I used to hate coffee or olives. Now I love coffee and olives. So it's not the coffee or olives. It's my thinking about. So once you start cottoning on to, ah, 
it's my thinking that's creating my feeling that's quite liberating Mm-hmm. And what we were talking about earlier, how the, the studies with the piano and the basketball and how practicing and visualizing actually changes the same part of your brain. Well, that same concept, apply that to what Claire just spoke about. You, anytime you think about an event that's emotionally charged, you're thinking about that event. You are replaying those same thoughts emotion and those biochemicals in your body you're reaffirming the situation just like you said if you got a ticket then the whole day is ruined it just keeps it's a snowball and going and going and going in long term you can create a whole identity based on suffering from a ticket five years ago or you know some some tragic event that happened um and not to say that tragic events you should get over by any means and you know not feel the feelings But it reminds me, we spoke of the placebo, but there is something very similar to that called the nocebo, which means patients who understand or expect the negative side effects of a test or or the medications will actually exhibit those negative side effects while actually receiving the placebo. So if you think about, isn't that crazy? (laughs) So like someone going to get chemotherapy for the first time or thinking about chemotherapy, people will start losing their hair before they start getting chemotherapy because they know that's a known side effect. Now that's not an actual study. I just give that as an example because I know that happens to people before they even get chemo because your brain has this belief and thought system of these negative side effects. And they're seeing it in research studies with medication that people, they, you know, they'll, they'll tell them this is what it should do. Here's some side effects. And now they might have to start accounting for the nocebo effect, which is just proving how powerful our thoughts and our minds really are. That is absolutely amazing. And I've never heard of that. I heard recently about a study of looking into the placebo effect. I'm like, yes, please. Can you please spend some money looking at that? rather than trying to prove that antidepressants for instance are better than the placebo (laughs) can we not like spend the money on the what's going on here um so that is fascinating because I I had heard that there was research looking into the fact that people were told that they were getting a placebo but still getting better wow I don't know. Yeah, I don't that, That's me. I haven't heard that one either. I don't know. We need a third term now. We have the placebo, nocebo. Yes, Ebo. Yes, Ebo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I, I know we've been talking so much about conscious, subconscious, neuro linguistic, pro, all the things I love. I would love to talk a little bit about your course because you can condense all of this beautiful information and an easy, accessible way for people to shift out of overwhelm and into clarity. Who wouldn't love that? Could you tell us a little bit more about your course if anybody is interested in learning more? Yeah, of course. I think, you know, nobody leads a life where it is plain sailing. We all have moments where we think, oof, crikey, this has been quite tough. And Despite all I knew about NLP and mindfulness and positive thinking and everything we've talked about, it didn't stop me having a really rough time this year. 
I'm a mum of three young kids. My husband's a pilot. He wasn't working. We were having a huge house build where we had no heating, no water. I was working so hard to like keep the money coming in. So earlier this year, it was it was rough, you know, as it has been for so many people. And it, you know, it got it was it was rough. <laughs> and and during one of those moments where I thought, this is this is pretty bad. Like I and then I was like judging myself, you know, you're such an idiot. How you know all this stuff? Like, why can't you get yourself out of feeling overwhelmed? Like, this is what you're teaching people for heaven's sake. And you can't even help yourself. What's going on? And in that moment, I had this wonderful memory and insight that we are all sitting in our well-being. We are all sitting in wonderful mental health, but for our thinking. So at that moment, I was like, okay. It was like, I can't really explain it. It was, it, you know, sounds a bit of a cliche. It was like a bit of a light bulb. It was like a little chink in the clouds and I could just see the sun again. And I thought, right, okay. What, what is going on for me? What have I learned recently that is so significant that, as I talked about earlier on in this, is that, okay, we all have this innate, i.e. we are born with mental health. You don't have a child, you don't have a baby born with a, a mental health problem. No baby is born depressed. I mean, they cry, but you know, they're not depressed. But we, along the way, form attachments. So I'm just going to give you like a really obvious one. As a baby, you might have an attachment to your teddy or your dummy. And that thing seems to have the power to either make you feel happy and calm, or if you don't have it, absolutely mad and upset. So as a child, you form this attachment. So this thing makes me feel something. But as we get older, we realize that, okay, it's not like socially acceptable to bring a dummy into secondary school <laughs> or whatever it is. And we, we, we shift that attachment. And it might be that we attach our well-being to looking a certain way, to being in a certain group of friends, to, you know, getting the right grades to being the sort of person that our parents want us to be. And unknowingly to us, we form this attachment between this thing, and it can be lots of things, and us. And that's okay when these things are going all right. So when we're doing well at school, when we're like hanging with the right crowd in our minds, when our best friend is our best friend, things are going really well. When those things start changing, Maybe the friend moves away. Maybe the friend makes a new friend. Maybe suddenly you're not so good at science as you thought you were, and it's challenging. <laughs> and all of a sudden, what you thought gave you your happiness is taking it away, and you feel dreadful. Now, as you can hopefully understand from this, we will carry that through in our life. So for me, I ask myself, right, I am massively overwhelmed right now. Like I am 
literally about to explode. I cannot think clearly. What am I attaching my well-being to? And for me, I went through it. I, I ended up coming up with seven, seven steps, seven kind of questions that made me really go, what is it that seems to be taking away my well-being right now? And it was things like, I wanted to know when the builder was coming. I needed to know the date. It was things like, I needed to know that my husband was going to get his job back next month so that we then had the money to pay for the rest of the bills. It was things like, I need to know that COVID is going to stop so soon that the children go back to school and I don't have to homeschool. And the reason why that's important is the moment I actually recognised, ah, I've outsourced my well-being to that. Do I have any control over that? No. 100% no. So what would be possible? And this is the question. What would be possible if I didn't have that attachment? And of course, what is possible if you don't have that attachment is that well, you are free to feel okay, even in the middle of what looks like chaos. And so my course, and it talks about, you know, finding your voice within is because of me being a voice therapist and, you know, my work in the past with voice clients and, and still now is when I talk about the voice within, I'm talking about our wisdom. I'm talking about that voice, that intuition, that voice that says you're OK. The voice that says, why don't you just have an early night? The voice that says, why did you give your husband a break? Because it's not his fault that he doesn't have a job, you know? And so that's what the course is about. It's these, it's these steps to help you recognize where are you attaching your well-being? What is possible when you recognize that is where you've attached your well-being? And gives you that opportunity to, if you like, create some space just to stop that churning of your mind that we all have. And when you stop in that stillness, you can hear your voice within. Mm. Wow, mic drop. I'm like tearing up over here because I can so relate to so much. And I think so all of us this past year, almost two years now of, you know, this upheaval of what quote unquote was normal. And I think it really forced so many of us in in different ways in our own lives to these are opportunities for us to sit down and realize that was what was going on for you rather that you were out, you know, outsourcing your wellness outside of yourself. And that's that shift. that's so powerful that it's not happening to me. It's all happening for me. And furthermore, for me, for my growth, but for me to, to realize that there's, there's, I can't do anything about it. And once I can accept this reality that's when that release happens. That's when that growth happens that you're taking your power back. And you so beautifully, beautifully describe that. And yeah, I'll link everything in the show notes for you guys for this course. This is powerful, simple, but beautifully created. 
by Claire. Thank you so much for describing that to us. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. I, and it's, and I, I have the same way. It's like, man, I teach women to do this. <laughs> this, you know, this is what I, you know, I have a course on this yet. I have to remind myself of this. The past two years for a lot of up and downs for me, but all in all, I learned things about myself. I overcame stuff. Mm-hmm. I was able to grow and I am better for it. Unfortunately, life is not just always rainbows and butterflies. Like we said at the beginning, it's feeling it all. It's feeling it all. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Well, Absolutely. thank you so much, Claire, for coming on the show today. On that note, the perfect ribbon on top of the, the gift, the present there. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we start to close the show today? I don't think so. I just think, you know, if people listening can just get a feeling for the hope in the message that whatever is going on for them, I mean, whatever, however big, however small, however trivial, however significant a thing is going on, if you can just hear in this message that you are okay, you are sitting in wellness. You have in you complete and utter mental health. You were born with it. It can't be broken. It can't be taken away. You can't lose it. It is just covered up and it is covered up by your thinking like the clouds over the sun. And you don't even have to necessarily do anything. But the moment you recognize that, something very exciting can shift. I love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you again for coming on the show today and imparting this beautiful wisdom with us. Um, How may we, the listeners, as an act of gratitude, be of service for you in return today, Claire? Lauren, you're so lovely. I will just be so happy if what we have talked about resonates with people. I will be, I will be thrilled if, if, you know, what we're talking about gives people hope. If people want to go and look at my course, that's wonderful. If people want to connect with me directly, my Instagram is Claire underscore Bunce underscore Musings. It's basically an opportunity for me to just share my thoughts and things. If people want to connect with me like that, that is wonderful. Um, But the main thing is that I really hope that this podcast this message can reach people and give them some hope Mm. and and if you guys like this if this resonates with you follow up you know take claire's course share this podcast with a loved one that you think that would this would resonate they would like it too and i know my life has completely changed based on podcasts that i've heard sometimes more triggering than others things i didn't want to hear But that's one of the reasons why I started this. It's kind of me paying it forward and having beautiful souls like Claire on here to help spread the word for people who want to heal, want to grow, share it with a loved one, that here's your opportunity. It's just to to click away. So thank you so much, Claire, for coming on the show today. It was so wonderful diving to all subconscious, neural, linguistic, all the things, all the nerd that we like to nerd out with. It was so wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on, Lauren. It's been wonderful. And remember, open up, surrender, 
trust and let your body lead the way.